Optimism vaccine, and uh, joining me for this very merry holiday special, he's currently wrapped up in front of the fire with his Martin Shkreli uh, Afghan. Adam Myros is here. Uh, I don't even know what that means, but uh, I assume it's <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't see the fucking article. It's like the most popular article on the internet. It was in I think L magazine. It was it was about this this woman, and she worked for Bloomberg, and she was covering the pharma bro, uh, Martin Shkreli or Shkreli. I don't know how to say his last name. Whatever, the pharma bro. And okay, whoever that she is, she ended up. Yeah, so she was covering him when he was going through his trial and and all that shit, and she ended up getting really close to him and like divorcing her husband, and then he went to jail, and now they're like boyfriend and girlfriend and are planning on getting married after he gets out of jail. <laughs> and no, I thought he, the, won't, he won't speak to her now. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, he got, because he's allegedly trying to protect her, so that's why he won't speak to her. But the two parts of the article that really stick out, uh, which is saying something, because the whole thing is just full of, like, just horrible shit, but uh, one, the first time they kissed, uh, the woman remarked that, uh, they kissed in the the visitation room at the prison, and it smelled like chicken wings, which I thought was good. So yeah, just imagine making out with the pharma bro, uh, and in a prison visitation room that smells like fried chicken. And then the other thing was she only has one picture of them together, and one of the other prison wives was like, "Oh, it's such a cute picture of you guys," and so she made the pharma bro's girlfriend like a blanket with the picture on it so she she could wrap herself seems pretty normal i i think i'll just wait for the netflix miniseries you know um i see my <laughs> mind immediately went to vincent schiarelli i was like what the fuck <laughs> what's what's a vincent schiarelli afghan look like <laughs> very similar i would imagine um also joining us Jack Eason's back. Jack, why do they play the national anthem at the end of the night in Ireland when you're at the bar? Because gets people to leave. <laughs> I've actually, I don't know. I mean, I've I haven't played the Irish national anthem. I don't, I don't know how oh, that's that a good one, one. goes. I, yeah, what's sure the Irish a national anthem? Slapper. Is it Chumbawamba? That's <laughs> it's not even the right think, country. Yeah, they're, no, from, they're from England. You're supposed to say it's zombie by the cranberries or like Yeah, uh, yeah, or, or that yeah, or you too. I mean it should by yeah. by all rights it should be beautiful day or something like that. <laughs> yeah, that, that that would make more sense. No, the Irish national anthem is a it's a good one. It's a soldier song. Uh, I don't know what the soldier gets up to, but yeah, it's a good it's a good rousing one. It's good. It's it's Honestly, on the scale of, of national anthems, I think it's up there, frankly. Like, maybe not as good as the French, but, like, better than the American national anthem, which is garbage. Oh, better than, like, the shit. English national anthem. Absolute shit. Irish national anthem, not bad. You know? Yeah, I I used to... I didn't I didn't know this about the, the Irish bar thing until I, I went to Ireland, but uh, back when I used to go to normal bars in uh, America... I would constantly like usually when when you know people are really really drunk so somewhere around like 1 a.m. or 12:30 where it's not bar closed but you know you know people are kind of a little tipsy 
I would play the national anthem on one of those internet jukebox things. And I'd throw like five bucks in and I would just play it like as many times as I possibly could. And it's it's a great experience because people, especially drunk people, don't really know what to do in that situation. So you're at a bar. Do you take off your hat? Do you try to find a flag to stand towards? Do you put your hand over your heart? So it was it was always amusing for me just laughing at idiots trying to just figure out how you're supposed to behave when some asshole plays the national anthem at a shitty bar. So that, that's that's a good one. I honestly I thought you were just making this up because I I don't recall uh, ever hearing the national anthem uh, when an Irish bar is being closed but maybe oh. <laughs> maybe it's the thing that maybe they brought it in after i left Hell how do I you know. you consistently disappoint me with your irishness <laughs> yeah i don't know what fucking corner of the country you hung out in. that dublin no that no doubt listen maybe if you're a cool north side dub like me you'd know a few things i feel like we should adopt <laughs> this uh tradition by changing the national anthem to closing time by semi-sonic mm, mm. see that would be good classic <laughs> classic it already is kind of like i mean that's that's the go-to i think in like uh, minneapolis right I, you hear that song every time you go to the bar like oh closing time people in minneapolis are absolutely obsessed with semisonic um which i i imagine is just because the cold has frozen their brains and uh, they've ceased to function properly as humans seems but particularly anyways. relevant to uh, modern america as well you know yeah it's about oh, time for sure, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, also joining us today, Jake's here. Jake, how's it going, man? How's that catchphrase going? Have you trademarked it yet? Uh, I'm Jake. Going down to the uh, the patent office tomorrow. Uh, I like the different inflection that you're kind of playing with there. I think I think you got a real money maker on your hands. It's true. Hey, ha- question: How do we all feel about the uh, the Canadian uh, national anthem? Kind of boring. I mean, yeah, it's it's not offensive, but it's not particularly exciting i guess you could say that about almost anything canadian at this point can't, like, can't even conjure up a memory of it uh they don't use god save the queen then they they moved off that standard great oh, first canada. two words though <laughs> yeah. oh canada that's all you need oh oh canada that's right okay i just forgot yeah, okay, now. So that, i guess i i guess that that clarifies my my excitement and thoughts on that national anthem that i completely <laughs> forgot it existed <laughs> So, well, you got you got to yeah. end on like a big note, right? And with us in America, it's um, you know, uh, you know, land of the free, home of the brave, blah 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 blah, all that shit. And in Canada, it's we stand on guard for thee. It's like, what are you, what are you guarding, man? I, I don't know. It's just it, they're just kind of standing around. It, it doesn't it doesn't have that immediacy to it. That well, I, at I this need. point, for COVID positive Americans trying to sneak over the border for sustenance. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. I, I think finally it makes sense. People finally want to go there. Uh, no, I, I like Canada. If anybody in Canada wants to give me a job so I can get citizenship, uh, I'm available. Optimismvaccine at gmail.com for uh, all the job offers you want to send me. I have no applicable skills at all. I, I do have my, my boss gave me a large bottle of homebrew beer for Christmas, which I am drinking right now. Um I, I, it's not bad. This is the shock of the century. It's uh, it's pretty, it's pretty damn good. Pretty boozy too. So, uh, not that my boss is listening, but uh, yeah, it's good shit. Shout out, shout out, boss beer. Normally you get homebrew beer and it's either like flat as fuck or super overcarbonated, and this actually tastes good and it's well balanced and carbonated. Well, it's bizarre. Mm. But anyways, we're supposed to be talking about movies, right? That's what this podcast is about. Okay, I don't see why we should start now. Yeah, yeah, ostensibly. Well, 
<laughs> yeah, fuck it. Let's just let's talk about my boss's beer for a while. You guys can't buy it, but uh, I'll gonna sit here and drink it. No, let's. Uh, yeah, we watch Christmas movies. It's Christmas. What the fuck do you think we're gonna do? So uh, yeah, we watched Kirk Cameron saves uh, Christmas. Saving do you ever Christmas. feel like Christmas has been hijacked by all the commercialism and those who want to replace Merry Christmas with Happy Holidays or Seasons Greetings, whatever that means. It's like a carjacking, but like of our religion. And guess what? Santa got in the car, kicked Jesus out, and was like, rolling, 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 and took, and just took it. Isn't I, I just want to say, I'm, I'm not done playing the trailer yet, but this one's twice as long as the trailers normally are because it's full of shit that I knew would piss you guys off. In a time somebody spoke up. This Christmas, dive headfirst into all of the joy. I love Scott. The dancing. The celebration. The feasting, the imagination, and traditions that glorify the true reason for the season. Myros, what's the true reason for the season, according to Kirk Cameron? Uh, you know, it, we've got to celebrate for, for when God took material form by uh, embracing materialism. That's that's the thesis of this film, I believe. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> I mean, pe- people listening might think that's a joke and that we're like taking a jab and simplifying, <laughs> but that's literally is the stated thesis of the film. That's the closing rejoinder to take away is that materialism is good because Jesus was basically God's material form. Yes. This is just Kirk Cameron's capitalist Christmas. It's basically an entire screed against a made up uh, kind of counterpoint that uh, you should never feel bad about spending a lot of money and having a lot of nice things at Christmas because that's actually everything you want to do for Christmas is actually worshiping God. And that's it. So buy oh, yeah. everything. And that's, this that's is, the uh, movie. It's New Age Gospel of Prosperity, which uh, I, I love because you know me, I'm a big uh, uh, Tammy Faye Baker guy and Jim Baker guy. Uh, so <laughs> this really spoke to me on a lot of different levels. But yeah, that, that's that's pretty much it. That's the whole thing is you would think the traditional Christian route to take here would be like, oh, you can't call it Xmas. We got to put the Christ back in Christmas. We need it to recenter on Jesus. No, no, no. That's that's an old school contemporary Christian way of thinking of the holiday. Let me let me twist it back for you. And the way it is now is all the Santa Claus Christmas tree stuff, that's actually good. And through the power of Kirk Cameron's storytelling, we learned that Christmas trees and Santa Claus, it all comes back to the big guy, the J-Man. Yeah, turns out and, there, there uh, are trees great. in the Bible, so it must it must be good, I guess. I, I don't fucking... Sounds like an exaggeration, but that's, that's the exact connection that Mr. Yeah. Cameron makes. He's yeah, like, yeah. you know, <laughs> the cross was made of wood, and, uh, <laughs> well, he's, let me he's, tell you what Christmas trees made of. His literal summation is that Adam ate the the fruit, the forbidden fruit, and you can't put the forbidden fruit back on the tree because he mm. ate it. To do that, he would have to put himself back on the tree. Yeah. And Jesus was the last Adam, and Jesus was all on a tree. And that <laughs> means that it completed the prophecy. I, if we had seen a guy crucified in like a Christmas tree parking lot, I may have been able to forgive this movie. But we don't, and that is we a don't. crime. We don't. I seriously think this movie could like effectively be used as like uh, ISIS recruitment. Like I, <laughs> I feel like I want to join up right fucking now, man. 
I mean, yeah, I, I'll get in line behind you. I don't, I don't know where you, <laughs> where you stand for that one. It's, um, it's incredible. It's a religious movie that is like, like I say, it, it's just, it's like Kirk Cameron invented a straw man, just someone who has beliefs that are nothing, that are like, just basically like I'm a devout Christian, but I don't like Santa Claus, and you know, and I don't like fun. Which mm-hmm. I'm not aware of this, like unless he's arguing with like a fucking Danish Lutheran or something. Like it, yeah. none of this exists, uh, and he just invents this kind of person, and then argues very convincingly to their satisfaction that actually everything you're already doing for Christmas is fantastic, yeah. and that's it, and that's the whole movie. Well, this is the, this again. This is like the new contemporary Christian mold because you know there there used to be people. It's just like well. You know, uh, my my brand of Christianity is uh, you can't have this and you can't have that because uh, oh, it's it's a it's a false idol and you can't have a Christmas tree because of Jesus. Like these people are real; they they fucking exist. Yeah. Um, and then really, if if you grow up in this contemporary Christian environment, say circa twenty years ago or whatever, it's just like, hey, what if church was just as fucking terrible? But uh, yeah, you can wear khaki pants and uh, somebody's gonna strum an acoustic guitar during the church service. And you're like, wow, boy, that's great. Now this whole new thing is they they have to take it one step further and they have to justify literally everything that they that they enjoy all the all the beautiful riches of capitalism that just you know they've completely allowed to engulf them. So not only do you have that but then you have all the other things going on in here where you're just like oh fuck like who knew contemporary Christian music had gotten this bad I thought it was bad again like 20 years ago but here we are it is just completely transcended into something else entirely. Um, it's 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 horrifying. This is like an assault on the senses in every way, shape, and form, and it's 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 just fucking terrifying. Well, you know, let's let's talk. I mean, it, it's it's a great movie, really, in terms of doing stuff like the black outreach in it is remarkable. I think there there's <laughs> there is a black guy. <laughs> there, there, there's two maybe i'm um, oh, the yeah. maybe and, and they have a great conversation yeah and what they have a conversation with conspiracy theories that they're all buying into but then one also talks about how um like he complains about like I, i'm not even sure what he's complaining about but he just talks very fast because that's kind of like a thing that noted notable black comedians have had success doing in cinema so he's like basically just trying to be like Eddie Murphy, Chris Tucker kind of guy, but he's just like babbling on about like protesting at work because they're taking away like fun, fr- like fun shirt Friday, and it's like supposed to be very relatable humor. Meanwhile, mm. he's he's allying his his employer taking away fun shirt Friday to like the civil rights marches in Selma, uh, in this yeah. really off the cuff thing that's clearly meant to be funny, but it's just a deeply, deeply stupid thing that just keeps going you think he's gonna stop he doesn't and that's yeah. real i feel like that's every scene in the film is like it just continues past a point where you think maybe they've wrapped it up and then no and then they start doing bits in slow motion just to extend it even further and also it's worth noting the end credits for this film must be like 10 minutes long like they have they have little credits in between the end credits and then they like a post credit sequence which is all just like stretch it to 80 minutes it's fantastic really well planned film yeah it's it's shocking how lame this is and at the same time like i don't 
I can't imagine the audience for this is particularly large. Like this, this makes me want to go like full tradcath, you know, like I just, I cannot take this <laughs> brand of a fucking optimistic weirdo super capitalism Christianity. I would even take that. Uh, who's, who's that, that, that priest. He's not a priest. He's a pastor or whatever. Uh, the, the new song pastor guy, the guy who got in trouble because he kept cheating on his wife because he wanted to like hang out with Justin Bieber and run trains on chicks. Austin? Like that, even uh, not Austin. He's an Austin esque. He's like Austin, but in like faded, like hundred dollar diesel jeans and like a V neck. Uh, he's new age Austin. But like even that guy would think that this shit was completely fucking lame. So I, I don't. This is it's barely a movie too. So we have to play my favorite game, which is how much movie is in the movie. Uh, Jake, any you want to you want to gather a guess here of how much actual movie is in this? like on a on a scale of what what am i what am i comparing to well let's it's 80 minutes long okay so of that 80 minutes how much of this is like a movie because it, it presents itself as it's it presents itself as a narrative feature film we should say that i, I don't care but like you know what i mean like what what is a movie in this <laughs> conservatively a good half of that is two assholes sitting in a car but that's um, the movie I think you have to yeah. discount Kirk Cameron's uh, grand intro wherein he invokes oh, God. Uh, hot chocolate over and over again because that's something people like. Oh, uh, he lists all the stuff that he likes. He, um, yeah. I mean, he likes hot chocolate. He likes Christmas trees. He, um, I mean, I love all the kids. He says that. I um, love all the kids. <laughs> oh, God. So if you if you lop that off, because that's not really part of the movie. And then I, I think the movie feasibly ends at the at the point where the hip-hop dance crew uh, flies in. I think that that's the, oh, the movie's over. Can we specific, specific, there's 20 minutes branded as a hip-hop dance crew. Which is just a bunch of uh, white evangelical parishioners uh, who are not the hip-hop dance crew. No. And this movie, it, it ends. So you get, the, you get this intro with Kirk Cameron monologue, and then you have the sitting in the car with the, with the little cutaway vignettes, and... That actual, the actual meat of it is only like 20, 30 minutes. And then literally the entire end of the movie is an extended scene of, of this. Angels we have burned on high, sweetly singing or the A lot of this, a lot of this. <laughs> oh, I wanted to get to the chorus for the fucking NXL oh, <laughs> Here it comes. It's like, what the fuck are we doing here? For God's sake. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely pull that part out. So if anybody needs that blast in their ear a hundred times. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, okay, hip hop dancing, haha. And then whatever this is. It's the fucking worst. Like the it, the singer does that that like mid two thousands pop punk thing where you have to over enunciate every syllable in your whiny voice. I, it's grating. This it's just constant nails on chalkboard, and all of this just this like aesthetic violence that's being carried out on us is all in service of this weird, creepy, like hyper capitalist message. 
And then also they, they sprinkle in the New Jerusalem stuff, which I'm really into. So that's cool, too. <laughs> oh, my fucking God. That, that what, what the hell? I mean, there's a lot of specious logic in this film, to say the least. But this thing where he instructs his brother-in-law to, to lie on the ground and look up at the presence under his tree. And, and, yeah. and, and the presence are forming a skyline of the New Jerusalem. Jesus Christ. God, it's it's like it's it's as powerful as um uh <laughs> what? Oh, I'm blanking right now. Um basically the the whole thing is just like yeah, it's like oh my god, New Jerusalem, 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 like 69 with Netanyahu. It's it's fucking weird. It's really weird. Uh but also very on brand for for contemporary Christianity, I'd say. Uh yeah, it's worth it's worth knowing there's a there's a Liberty University oh, there is. branding up front, so you you oh, know yeah. you're in with like the deep end psychos. Right. You know who butters your bread there. That's it's great, it's great stuff. Uh, it's it's kind of like the uh, the the dreaming like floating scene in First Reformed. It's it's very similar, wouldn't you say, Jack? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There there's definitely a feeling of weightlessness that kicks in after after a while if you just leave your body and try and find the nearest exit. <laughs> I don't yeah, know, man. More like voiding your bowels. Oh god! Yeah. I mean, again, going back to just the oh, sorry, <laughs> going going back to like who this film is for. I mean, there's an extended like I feel like at least ten minutes of this film is explaining that Santa Claus is based on a saint. Oh, which dude, and how sexy is Santa Claus that? in this? Oh, he's <laughs> I know, it's literally he goes, yeah, it's like Lord of the Rings, you guys. Oh my god, it's the same thing. Santa Claus is is Lord of the Rings. He's totally jacked. He's constantly walking in slow motion. It's got that like super uh, like slow-mo homoerotic like 300 look to it. Everything is just glistening and um god, yeah, Santa Claus. What I'm, a, I'm not sure I can attribute that level of art to like I mean what strikes me about this film is like it is an 80 minute long infomercial. It is mm -hmm. It exists solely as a cynical ploy to to kind of push a very specific political agenda. Um, the the manufacture of it is just so clearly careless. Uh, you know, there, there's nothing here that feels particularly authored or anything. It's it's just one of those like just an absolutely joyless experience that is mm -hmm. also hermetically sealed. If you're not already in the choir you're not welcome to this film. Like, this film is not for anyone who isn't already pretty much in complete agreement about everything in this movie. Like, you, there's no way in for anyone else because it's just repellent yeah, uh, and, I, and incredibly boring. I was, I was trying to think of a reason to actually watch this. Uh, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't come up with one. The only thing I could think of was uh, Kirk Cameron's sister... Not Candace Cameron, the one that you know from Full House, but one of his other sisters. She's in this movie. It's it's her house where the uh, the Christmas party is, is taking place. And I think she looks a lot like Klaus Kinski. And for that reason alone, uh, maybe this movie's worth watching. So you'd be like, oh, yeah, she kind of does. But then I realized you can watch the trailer and, and Klaus Kinski Cameron is is in there, too. So... I, I really can't think of a reason to watch, to be completely honest. A, a really a really confusing element <clears throat> to me is that in the in one of the myriad 
mid-post credit sequences. They have like outtakes, and and the the uh, the doubting Thomas, I guess, of Christmas, the one of the who who stars the main character alongside Kirk Cameron as our glorious savior, uh, is yeah, played Klaus by husband. the yes, Klaus Kinski's husband. That is correct. <laughs> is is the is the director of the film also? And at one point, someone just drops reference to the fact that he's Jewish. And I don't know if it's a joke or not. Um, you know, and this is like out of character, but they just haven't mentioned that, you know, the guy making this film is maybe Jewish, which <laughs> it doesn't simplify anything about this text. It doesn't no. make it make any more sense. Um, other than maybe feeding back into that whole New Jerusalem angle. I don't yeah, know. He, he could uh, and be also, uh, Jews for Jesus. That's, that's he a could, thing that exists. He could, he be could absolutely be. And, and he might... He might be because, I mean, I looked at his career and it looks like he made like a couple of like Z-grade action movies in the 90s and a couple of like a rap documentary or something in the early 2000s. And then somewhere around 2007, he just like switched over to like Jesus and Jesus adjacent productions. And I guess that's where that's where he'll be forevermore because I can't imagine anyone's going to hire him for anything after watching this. Like this is just... Kirk Cameron is is the only you know only person who would look fondly on this film. I'm pretty sure, or all the children. In it. I mean, this this is one of those films that exists solely to be watched by people who appeared in it. That's the only draw of this thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I think this movie is just for Kirk Cameron. Honestly, I mean, like we talked about, there's 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 no real audience for this. Even even within contemporary Christianity, you're kind of really moving into a weird niche. Um, and, and when this movie came out in, God, it must have been five, six years ago, Kirk Cameron was upset because the critics, who don't know anything, they were saying that his movie was shitty. Okay, They were shitting all over his movie, and the Rotten Tomatoes score was very, very low. And this upset Mr. Cameron. So he said, you know what? Voice of the people. He, he, he implored everyone that followed him on Facebook to go to Rotten Tomatoes, and, and give the movie a positive score, even if they haven't seen it yet, because you have to offset the critics. So what ended up happening instead was um, people saw that he was asking his followers to do that, so they just review-bombed the, uh, the user's score on Rotten Tomatoes, too. So to this day, uh, you'd be hard-pressed to find something with a lower score on Rotten Tomatoes, really. It's, it's, um, it's pretty rough. So, <laughs> Which also, also turns out to be accurate. Yeah. So yeah. it all worked out. Yeah. It's great. It's couple, great. A couple things I wanted to address real quick. So the, the director who plays the shitty brother-in-law, uh, his name is Darren Doan. If you Google his name, one of the top results is a Twitter account. When you go to that Twitter account, the bio has four words in it. I am a tool. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be I real. Mean, the other is he a tool of Jesus or what? That's probably his <laughs> intent, right? I guess. But, yeah. yeah. You know. Other thing is... Um, when we go at, wrench for Christ. That, that sequence with the uh, the the conspiracy theorists, we know they're conspiracy theorists because they do this thing where they talk with their mugs in front of their like their hot cocoa mugs in front of their mouths, mm-hmm. and they start laying out their conspiracies in like spoken rhyme. But it's just so like 
obviously ADR'd because there was no way the guys could <laughs> could spit out their words like perfectly on set. So like, okay, just mumble behind the mug and we'll we'll dub it in in a studio later. And they must have like I I wonder how oh. many takes they tried on the set before they realized now nah, this is not working. God and the rap. <laughs> I forgot the guy raps. He oh, does yeah. like a freestyle rap and it is agonizing. Yeah. And and yeah, you, it's ADR. Like shit, he could have written something down, and instead, he, like it still sounds like he's making it up on the spot. And yeah, it's yeah. agony, terrible. Jack, how many times have you seen this movie? Oh, fuck you, Steve. Well, <laughs> 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 <Look>, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I I subjected myself to this several years ago for because I'm just that kind of a person, which is why we ended up in this whole mess of optimism vaccine in the first place, to be honest. And I thought that would be we'd be done with it. And then I believe Jake is to blame now because he we is. decided we'd do a Christmas episode. I'm like, I'll do a Christmas <laughs> episode. And then after agreeing, you told me saving Christmas was on the goddamn docket. So I had to watch it again because my memory rejected it the first time. (laughs) How much did your wife love watching it again? Uh, (laughs) Great question. I believe she would knit it through Uh, it. Jack's Jack's getting divorce papers in his stocking this year. So are we doing? Are we're we're doing the what is porn cast next, Steve? Yeah, everything's oh, yeah. going swimmingly for twenty twenty one. We're gonna do great. God, if I were if I were trying to knit while watching this, my the fucking sweater would be covered in blood. <laughs> fucking jam the needle directly in my fucking wrist. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, you know. Another other than watching Kirk Cameron movies, uh, another thing that we like to do around here is uh, support the artistic work of one Mel Gibson. Isn't that right, guys? Oh yeah. Hmm. Maybe it's time I retired the coat. You still have it. Some kids with a deer rifle put two holes in the sleigh, one in me. All I have is a loathing for a world that's forgotten. States military would like to procure your services. This is a one-time deal, gentlemen. Just gotta give him one last job. Man, didn't Mel won an Oscar, and then and then Hollywood was just like, "Yeah, you're a racist pile of he shit." He won multiple he Oscars, is. and and then, but but like recently, because Hacksaw Ridge won, didn't it? No, I don't. Or, think did, no, didn't uh, win anything. Maybe, maybe some tech stuff. Tech stuff. Def- okay, definitely not for Gibson. It was it was nominated for real stuff, and that's bad yeah. enough because that is a movie that's almost I would rank almost as bad as Saving Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> but but the I'm point not is, joking. Mel Gibson is allowed to make a big Hollywood movie. Not only does he make it, despite being a racist piece of shit, but then Hollywood's like, yes, we have we have accepted you once again. Come to the Oscar ceremony where you are nominated for numerous large awards. And then somehow he falls off the wagon again, and, uh, and two of his movies have ended up on optimism va- vaccine this year. So, uh, Fat Man, <laughs> it's a Christmas movie. Why isn't this as funny as I want it to be? Why isn't Fat Man funnier? It's not funny at it's all. It's a great really. question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like this is, um, I think there's a couple of really, like, I, I will say this is not a terrible movie to sit no. through. It's actually pretty slick. It's It's not awful certainly compared to force of nature the last mel gibson movie we watched in 2020 which is appalling oh 100 yeah this this is 
pretty easy watching but it does seem like it's coasting on a couple of ideas it's like it's it's kind of got like the setup obviously of like a child gets cold santa's real santa has a naughty or nice list he gives this asshole kid coal because the kid is a just terrible person mm-hmm. and the kid ha- is in contact with a hitman played by walter goggins for some reason he's in this film as a like cold-blooded hitman and he hires him to kill Santa Claus as revenge for getting coal. Meanwhile, Santa takes on a military contract because de- manufacturing is downturned. I didn't. I don't quite understand why Santa's manufacturing is downturned. I would feel that would be economic. Jack, proof, it's because but... the the kids today are rotten, so there's not as much need for gifts. That's that's. The oh, thing. I see. I missed I that. That's... Sorry, distinction. <laughs> <laughs> so anyhow, like, but anyway, so there's these there are fun ideas in this movie about you know kind of like Santa as being you know a kind of a, a an industrial powerhouse that the U.S. military tax onto a child putting a hit on him. The hitman got cold cold as a child and it scarred him so deeply that he now spends his life buying other people's toys and the the opportunity to get revenge and kill Santa is a personal quest for him. There's like mm-hmm. ostensibly fun ideas and then I feel like they, they got this idea that if they played it real straight it would be a little bit wilder, it would be a little bit, you know, kind of even more offbeat and quirky, you know, kind of like Naked Gun or Airplane. It's like, you know, everyone plays it straight. But the difference is those films also had jokes. They like authored funny things to occur. And this film doesn't really have that. It's just sort of like, it's really just kind of a slick thriller where one mm-hmm. person happens to be Santa Claus. And yeah. it, it doesn't, it, so it doesn't really make sense. Like Adam says, there's not really a single joke in this entire film, but the no. premise is funny, quote unquote. So it's a very unusual balance. And it does, it just feels to me very undercooked. Like they kind of like, they wrote the film. They're like, can you believe we're making a film where a kid puts a hit on Santa? And it's kind of like, I absolutely can believe that. Please write the rest of the film. But they <laughs> never is, did. This is 100%. This is like the, cinematic Mendoza line okay this is the the baseline of acceptability it is not a bad movie it is not a good movie it is the most movie movie ever um it's an ostensibly funny situation that isn't that funny it's an action movie that isn't particularly thrilling and I I think the problem that it runs into and and Jack you kind of touched on it too with the fact that they're trying to play it a little bit straight here but there's no jokes at all but for me the idea of okay, there's a there's too many bad kids, bad people in the world, so uh, Santa production is down. So then the government steps in, and it's this whole like labor dispute, Santa Claus, like that whole thing is its own movie in my head. And then on the other side of things, you have the kid gets a lump of coal. He gets pissed off at Santa because he's a rich piece of shit. He can hire a hitman, and the hitman goes after Santa. They it seems like the directors of this movie, because it's it's two guys, they sat down in a room and they tried to brainstorm Mel Gibson Christmas action movie. They came up with two separate premises and instead of sticking with one, they smushed them together. And so you have these two kind of half-baked things and you have all of this this just rising action that doesn't lead to anywhere. And by the time you finally get to the big, gory, shootout, set-piece action part of the of the movie there's like 10 minutes left and then it's just done like that 
Yeah, uh, absolutely. Run, running through the plot of the film, it, and I, I think you you hit the nail on the head. Like, to, if you describe the film to someone, the plot, you realize you were describing two completely separate elements. There is mm-hmm. the U.S. contract, Santa works a military contract, and there's someone put a hit on Santa, and there's like no overlap between them otherwise and there really is the the only overlap between them is that that means the hitman has to like kill soldiers to get to santa but there's yeah. literally no overlap between those it's an excuse to otherwise. not kill elves i think that's the only yeah. thing Maybe i can think so, of so yeah i guess yeah, otherwise i, I, I was trying to, can you kill elves? I, yeah i got no clue that first movie is is essentially barry levinson's toys which is a a movie i'm kind of fond of but is an Pretty notorious uh, boondoggle back in the 90s there, but maybe that's why they felt the need that they had to tack on this sort of uh, assassination element, because it's like, well, this didn't play then, it's not going to play now, it'll never work for mainstream audiences, but it's not, I don't know, this thing doesn't especially work either, I I, I, I enjoyed it well enough, but it's entirely based on performance, you know, they like, yeah. Goggins and Gibson are both fun to watch and this movie is it gets by on that and i'm almost glad that they made some of the choices they did in the end because when i saw the trailer for it i was like oh god this is gonna be some edgelord bullshit like a mark millar script or something i don't fucking care to watch santa the kingsman or whatever and uh (laughs) thankfully it's it's not that it's it's very strange in tone it doesn't entirely work but at least I'm almost happy the shootout is the last 10 minutes of the movie because the lead up is much more enjoyable to me because you, you're just kind of watching two entertaining actors do their thing. And uh, I'm okay with that. It's it's not anything spectacular, but it's totally passable. I, yeah. I agree 100% with Adam. Um, I, you know, as, as canceled and hateful as he is, and as much as I hate to say it, Gibson still remains just such a compelling screen presence I think him being cast as a grumpy, grizzled Santa Claus is kind of perfect. And, uh, you know, Goggins has just kind of got the more maniacal role that he's good at. But I think he excels uh, with what he's given. And, yeah, it's really just this uh, two-hander with these two guys not going, like, uh, edgelord crazy. And, I, you know, I think the the final shootout, I actually... Like the the trailer makes it seem like it's gonna be just yeah this this like big war this like romp where it's a guy trying to blow up Santa and Santa's trying to shoot the guy and that's like the whole movie but yeah that only falls in like the final ten minutes and um mm-hmm. it's actually a pretty I, I don't know I thought it was a pretty well done shootout for as brief as it lasts but uh, yeah I I I I enjoyed it but um, I don't know it's just think- it's just kind of there. I think it's vitally important, because we haven't touched on it before also, is that the shitty kid who puts a hit on Santa and who hires his hitman previously to kind of rough up a, a young girl who's his classmate, because like this kid is like an adolescent, he's like 13 or whatever, and he hires this hit, he hires the water dog as hitman previously to rough up a girl because she beat him in a science fair and he can't stand to lose, so he roughs her up so that she'll say she cheated, so he gets it because he got second place. And also, this kid is the spitting image almost of, like, Ben Shapiro. And I don't know if that was on purpose or not, but that is also a pleasant element in the film. I did enjoy that, that the, the shitty, like 
very high opinion of himself kid who gets coal for Christmas, etc., is is basically looks like Ben Shapiro a little bit. So, you know, kind of kind of meshes in pretty well there. But yeah, yeah, I mean, the film is just sort of it it's it feels like a missed opportunity, but it also does not grate the nerves. And I will tell you, if you watch it after saving Christmas, really, really comes out pretty good there. Pretty solid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, for sure, for sure. I actually watched it yeah, last, I, and I know Jack's reaction <laughs> in the chat. I I didn't uh, analyze it thoroughly, but I thought it was pretty negative, and and my opinion after the trailer was like, oh boy, I don't really want to watch this. So I I had super low expectations going in, and I I didn't hate it. I it's it's not a movie I'll probably ever watch again, but I you know if you're looking to kill some time over this holiday season, you could do a hell of a lot worse. Mm-hmm. It's not like you're going anywhere or doing anything anyway, so you might as well watch Mel Gibson shoot people. Yeah. Why not? I feel like the problem here is what is that like it's you know, I I feel like people are competing for that market of like alternative Christmas movies. You know, for people who think like the funniest thing in the world is a Die Hard is Christmas movie, and they're like, oh, can you believe us? My favorite Christmas movie is one with guns, and it's like this feels like it's kind of trying to edge into that territory, but it's also very overtly a christmas movie so i you know it's it's santa claus is one of the main characters so clearly it is it's not really part of any alternative character canon it is explicitly a holiday movie so yeah it, which kind of plays back into just an overall feeling just kind of muddled like i feel like this could have spent a little bit more time in the oven just to like fine-tune it get it all nicely put up but uh yeah, whatever. I mean, it's it's not the worst thing. I mean, it, holidays are a good time to sit around kind of drunk and or just in a food coma. And this movie certainly could certainly be on a TV while you're doing that. Yeah, I, I suppose the benefit of it being half-baked is that there was no producer to come in and try and fucking jazz things up. I was just dreading like some sort of fucking Rambo elf or something. And it just thank God none of that shit is in here. There was at least a <laughs> modicum of restraint in this film. Yeah, no, yeah. It's, I, I appreciate that as well. Uh, I, I guess my only lingering question is, how upset was Mel Gibson when he found out Mrs. Claus is black? <laughs> that's that's a good question. <laughs> that That is certainly was, it feels like a choice in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the first thing, that's the first thing I thought is like, oh man, they totally did this on purpose. Just as it, Mel Gibson just throwing chairs in his trailer on set like, God damn it, what did I say? I told you, I would never again. At least she's not one of the Jews. Uh, oh, that's true. Yeah, that, that would have gone over way worse. I mean, but but then that, I guess that was the balancing, the counterbalance, right? Was, okay, well, we made the kid look like Ben Shapiro, so maybe that'll, <laughs> I, I don't know. But then Mel's kind of conservative, so uh, it's, it's Ooh, I, did, I didn't say. pick up on that angle with, with Mel overtly threatening a, a, per, a possibly Jewish child at the rear of the film. Yeah, yeah. That's, it. <laughs> Guzzles his glass of poison. <laughs> Oh gets, my yeah, gosh. Gets even darker. Yeah, but honestly, dude. I mean Jewish children don't get cold for Christmas. They're out of that loop. So that, mm -hmm. this opens up some room for like the Hanukkah spin-off to explain <laughs> what goes on there. Oh, that's it's, true. He's coded whole, Christian. There's a whole cinematic universe here. <laughs> oh, Mel Gibson, what a piece of shit. But he does uh a grizzled alcoholic guy better than almost anybody. You know how to make Mel say. look good? Uh stand him next to Kirk Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> that's all it takes that's all it takes well 
I guess I guess we're on to our uh, our last movie here for Christmas. And what if I told you guys that you could have Home Alone, but more violent and a, a little bit on the French side of things? What do What do you think of that? Happy birthday, Christmas. Welcome home, Jesus. Sing it, Bonnie. Although you rain on us, who can understand oh. why even a child, a child? Sorry. I feel, uh, I feel it's important <laughs> here, Steve, is that, I mean, you just said it's on the French side of things, played a Bonnie Tyler Christmas song. Yeah, And frankly, none of this captures how weird this movie is. Nope, it doesn't. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just kind of had to play the Bonnie Tyler song because one, it's super weird. And two, uh, I mean, it's it's a French movie. We want to play the trailer. You're not going to know what the fuck they're saying. Well, I Come think on. the movie or I think this song was written by the director as well. So uh, perhaps it doesn't translate that well into English because I don't know what the fuck. No, Happy this birthday is, Christmas is supposed to be. This has big time. Like when you're watching a movie with subtitles and the song is playing and they translate the lyrics. And it's like, oh, yeah, I definitely wanted to see what, what they were saying in this Taiwanese pop song with the this very literal translation this absolutely could have gone to eurovision i mean and mm -hmm. specifically this could have gone to eurovision which is held in may like this would have been the perfect song to enter which is like happy birthday christmas in may would i honestly could have won it actually couldn't because france never won the eurovision that's one of the rules but mm -hmm. uh other than that politics aside this would have been a solid entry and this is like okay so happy birthday christmas is a, a very strange line to have in your song, but truly, like the all of the lyrics in this are completely deranged. I would implore you to to Google them, look them up. This is this is some serious shit. But the entire song is just like, yeah, the sun in Jesus, you'll be a man one day. Now you're just a little boy, but your buddy wings will spread, and you will be a man. Like it's this weird, like it, it almost like ties into the movie, right? It's like a coming it's of a age. It's a precursor to Charlie Day music for It's Always Sunny. <laughs> Yeah, it's <laughs> out there. Night man. Well, I mean, we have yeah. to also like put the song into context when it plays in the film. Uh, I mm. mean, should we even should we begin to discuss what this 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 miracle from Christ? I, I is welcome about? you to try, Jake. Yeah, go what ahead, the Jake. Fuck is this about? Okay, well, fine. It's about a boy named Thomas who is uh he's like uh if uh, Richie Rich were a Rambo fan with a uh, mullet. <laughs> he's got a he's got a sweet '80s mullet. He's got uh, uh like a just a secret dungeon of toys and and weaponry. And he's basically outfitted his house with like booby traps and steel gating and stuff. Basically, he's a he's an action loving kid with a hyper imagination. But he's really excited for Santa to visit to see what he'll get. Uh, meanwhile, a deranged homeless man takes on the Santa costume and randomly picks the house one night with the intention of invading and killing the occupants. This leads to a war between the kid and Santa Claus, where he's using his labyrinthian mansion to get around and not be slain by, by Father Christmas. Uh, it's... Got a new release out from Vinegar Syndrome, which has been lovingly restored. Uh, and this movie is fucking crazy and fu it, it pretty much fucking rules. 
Yeah, um, I mean, what my, my difficulty explaining this film, like, because, I mean, the plot, you, you outline the plot, and that's like, okay, bit weird, but sure. Mm-hmm. But what I don't understand is this film seems to draw that specifically killing Santa Claus is a rite of passage children must endure. <laughs> like, I, what the, what is this about? He literally kill Santa Claus and then it's like it's a freeze it's like a fucking 400 blows but a freeze frame of a child like I am a man now because I think I murdered Santa and I had to mm-hmm. well yeah. I mean isn't that like one of the last things that children believe in is Santa Claus and that's this this movie I mean, that, this is the Jake, movie that, I'm gonna use to break to my kids that Santa is not real All right. I mean that that almost makes sense that except that one of the first things Santa Claus does is stab the kid's dog in the throat oh yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Well, and yep. then the the Bonnie Tyler song plays when he buries his dog in the basement. One of the more oh. bizarre things is the I, again, I appreciate the hell out of this movie because it does everything right for a director and a cinematographer who've essentially done nothing since or before. Uh it it just it's so tight. It follows all the rules essentially, and it, it's just beautifully shot. Uh, yeah, it looks beautiful. Yeah, but even like characterization stuff, like you could characterize this uh, maniacal Santa as such. But even in the end, they try and breathe a little life into this character. He's like, he thinks he's just playing hide and seek with this kid. It's just, yeah, the guy's mm-hmm. got it just off his rocker. He's not just like a bloodthirsty maniac. He's just... He just wants to fit in. Yeah, he thinks he's playing hide-and-seek with the kid, and he doesn't recognize the havoc he's wreaking almost. It's it's, it's very... It's true, it opens with him getting a snowball fight with the children, all the children leave, (laughs) because obviously he's just some crazy old man. But yeah, I guess guess my disconnect in the film is just the... Like, I just don't understand how the concept of an actually murderous threatening santa claus because he does kill the dog and he is chasing the child and he does appear throughout the entire film to be extremely dangerous and the child has to defend himself and kill him and then that's outlined like the very real not metaphorical the very real act of killing a man is kind of like what brings this child to adulthood Mm -hmm. which isn't really a universal message outside of i guess some of the more war-torn parts of the world (laughs) and this is a very weird like france is not particularly known for like the rite of passage of having to uh, murder a homeless person <clears throat> although it sure happens i wonder if that um, is the intent though because i i feel like the rambo imagery has some significance you know like i i feel as if maybe sure. it's, it's subverting that in a way and and actually uh exploring the trauma this effect is meeting out on on this kid who's almost well, gonna come out uh, <clears throat> john rambo from this uh, situation that i mean that's actually a really good point and on the Vinegar Syndrome Blu-ray, I, I watched, there's a uh, like a, an interview with the director, and that's one of the things that stuck out to me. They were like, why why did you include in the beginning this this whole like sequence that basically is like shot for shot, just stuff for Rambo, stuff from Predator, whatever? And he said that at the time, he felt like children's superheroes were demonstrably different from the superheroes that he had when he was a kid. So he was just like... I liked Zorro and the Lone Ranger and they were, you know, 
campy and silly and they beat the bad guys and there was violence but it was it was there was a softness to everything and he's like whereas like kids now they just like uh they like rambo and and rambo is like a completely broken man and so that was the idea is is yeah i mean the kid is essentially he's he wants to be like his fantasy his his violent fantasy is being this person who I mean, the whole thing behind john rambo is he's got horrible ptsd like that's that's the character so yeah i mean that's that's pretty much it it's uh yeah kids just want to be a soldier who's seen some shit <laughs> beautiful well, story yeah well i mean i think he kind of he he's an, he he wants to embrace like the the cool action stuff of rambo but yeah he doesn't mm-hmm. realize oh the ptsd comes with the territory that's, yeah at the end of the exactly film, he's, he's kind of ruined you can't but just it, capture your dog with a net forever. Eventually, you're going to have to murder Santa. It's true. I, let me just say, I was not expecting this film to feature a close-up of glistening child muscles while a French cover of Eye of the Tiger is playing on oh, the soundtrack. I, this is weird, because it's not a cover. It is technically an original song, but this is this is not Eye of the Tiger. You ready for this? Yeah. It's just Eye of the Tiger played in like a minor key. That's it's the same fucking song. It's the Whatever circumvents the laws. Thing, yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. But I, yeah, I mean, again, to restate, like this film is, it looks incredible. It's got this wonderful, like rich, saturated color palette. It's all in this like soft, shimmering focus. It's got a this mm-hmm. like glamour look to a lot of the clothes. Oh, and the miniature it's, work is incredible. It's here. it's like this oh, yeah, yeah, it's it's this incredibly ornate film. And it's just this sort of I just you know, to to and, and it's it's interesting because I mean France does not have a rich genre film history. That's something mm-hmm. French people would acknowledge like france they have genre films certainly that have been made but they, they're not like you know in the american mode of making horror or gangster or action films french tend to move between those things and this is a really great example of something that's like a christmas movie kind of like home alone clearly which came after this and there's some question whether or not this was an influence if you know john hughes maybe saw this film and clearly cleaned it up a little bit for american consumption um it's it's just a film that exists in this realm of like how you know who who did they explain this to and they're like i am giving you money to do this now and clearly a considerable amount of money i mean this is not a a low budget looking film Mm. um and you know in the french film industry which is you know large but it's not known for blockbusters this is a really impressive looking film so, but like, is is it for children? Like, who is this for? Before we get into, is it for children? And I would say it's for me when I'm like 11 years old, but I don't want my mom to know I'm watching it. Um, this movie was not made for a lot of money, which blows my fucking mind. So really? <clears throat> the the director uh, Rene Manzor, uh, he made a movie in 1986 called The Passage, and it was just kind of a, a cheap indie movie essentially but he got Elaine Delon to star in it and you probably know him from uh, I mean he was in Zorro he was in The Leopard he was famously in The Samurai Samurai. yeah Uh, so very famous French actor and critics hated it they shit all over it but it made a lot of money 
So he was in this weird position where he couldn't really get funding because like the, the, the French like critical elite, they were just like, no, 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 not this guy. But he, he had proven that he was a success before. And on top of that, he decided that he wanted to make a genre film because, like you said, Jack, there weren't really any in France. And he thought that was a good idea because there weren't any. But then it complicated matters further because, um, you know, they, they wouldn't give him any money to do one. So this movie was basically made with him and his producer from uh, uh, The Passage and a little help from Mr. Elaine Delon himself. And and all the money that, that they made from the passage, they basically just shoved it into this movie. So it, it barely had any funding. But if you look at it, you'd be like, oh my gosh, the French government just gave him a blank check. It looks that good. It's it's wild. Yeah, I like the tracking shots. Man, this thing is gorgeous. It makes me like it makes me go, oh, fuck, no one knows how to make movies anymore. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, I, I would kill to live if I saw this as an 11 year old boy I would kill to live in this house it is that cool mm-hmm. and there's just yeah a lot of like cuts from going out of that house like on the window and like it'll go up and around like the roof to the other side of the house it's some real awesome tenebrae shit mm-hmm. yeah it's it's pretty you, you really Jake you, you as an 11 year old you want to live in the house with the dead dog in the basement <laughs> well I mean you know before pre breaking, but like yeah, pre, pre dead with, dog with like he's got the that like secret room with the bridge and all the toys scattered about with the oh, dinosaur yeah. and the I airplane mean, four generations cool. of toys sign me Steve, up Steve ha- here's how much you fucking broken me by being on this this nonsensical podcast adventure one of the one of the films that this 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 movie reminded me of because the kid is like a a, a a quiz kid and he communicates with a stranger via this Minitel public computer terminal, which I have no idea if that was ever a real thing in France yeah, or anywhere. Yeah, that was real shit. It was like proto-French internet. <laughs> okay, so yeah, uh, that's wild, right? But this reminded me of Jumpin' Jack Flash. Goldberg. I was like, son of a bitch. Why am I thinking of Whoopi Goldberg while I'm watching this deranged French Happy film? Happy birthday, Christmas! <laughs> we love Whoopi. Oh, um, <laughs> where did that come Gotta from? Gotta keep it on hand. That's right. Always, Always have the Homer at the ready. One day we're going to make a million dollars from this podcast and I'm going to invest in a giant like eight foot long mixing board, but it's only going to have one button and the button's going to say Homer and I'll just we make if we make a million dollars, we'll be going to sue us for us. Uh, Entirely (laughs) possible. See, uh, uh, this this is what drives me nuts about your your saving Christmas here. Why do we have to save Christmas? We had so many angles to approach this from. We could have gone like uh, genre Christmas. We could have gone with some sort of. Little Lord Fauntleroy Christmas. Uh, these other two movies have through lines, and then we had to fucking watch that goddamn abortion. <laughs> we love Kirk Cameron, man. Come on, you can sing. Uh, what, what's what's the the show that he was on? Uh, Growing, Growing pains. pains. Growing Pains, right? Show me that, Is that smile. The, show me that smile again. Show me that smile. Don't waste another minute on you cry. I mean, come on, that's like a great theme song, right? It is, and the per- the production logo at the end of Growing Pains was just a guy falling off the roof of his house. Mm-hmm. And that's there's the- a guy named Boner on that show. Kirk Cameron's best friend's name is Boner. That's right. That's cool. 
Well, a guy falling off a house is a great through line to this movie where a kid clings <laughs> onto the gable of his house. But also, Adam, I just want to say that calling Kirk Cameron's movie an abortion is surely going to offend him greatly and make him very sad. Uh, ah, yeah, well, mission accomplished. This though. movie, this movie was, it, it came to full term and was adopted. Thank you very much. So Growing Pains is Beautiful. responsible for uh, us having to deal with both Robin Thicke and Kirk Cameron in, in a roundabout way. Yeah, and Leonardo DiCaprio, wasn't he on Growing Pains? Well, I, he's not quite the was, uh, horrible seven. monster that the other two are, I suppose. Uh, oh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> no, get yes. it all, baby. Oh god! Uh, but uh, yeah, this is Dial Code Santa Claus is is fun. It's a cool movie. Really good. Um, yeah, really good. Check it out. It got it looks amazing too. Like I, I mean, I'm sure you could find like a cheap rip of this wherever. Uh, it, it'll look fine on VHS or you know wherever you can get it, but. If you get a chance to, Vinegar Syndrome 4K is, it, it looks amazing. Amazing. Streaming on Shudder, I'm not sure if it's the same transfer or not, but it is high quality. Yeah. Yeah. All right, boys. Well, I think it's about time we wrap things up. How's that sound? Sounds oh, good Damn, too. I thought we were going to do another hour on Kirk Cameron. Uh, we, we can. I mean, let's, uh, let's talk about his interactions with children. I love all the kids. Um, Myers, what are you putting over this week? Uh, you know, uh, hot cocoa. I, I love this stuff. I can't get enough of it. Uh... You're going to put over cyberpunk? I know you've been playing a lot of it. I haven't been playing a lot of it. I've been too busy drinking hot cocoa. No, I, I suppose the, the answer is a lot of people probably want like a, a good RPG alternative or something. So, um, I uh, H Bomber guy just uh, one of the uh, better critics on YouTube uh, just did a review on uh, Fallout New Vegas. Uh, that's worth a, a listen. But also, you know, if you're looking for a, a really deep, uh, good RPG that doesn't involve like fairies, elves, or dragons, then uh, Fallout New Vegas. Uh, it's really good, and you know, it's been out for like a decade, so they've actually worked out the bugs on like certain other games. <laughs> all right jake what are you putting over this week uh i'm just gonna kind of go classic and uh, put over the shop around the corner the ernst lubich film from 1940 with uh, jimmy stewart margaret sullivan uh watched it for the first time for blind spots the other podcast i do with uh, christy strauss of uh film inquiry uh loved it it's uh it's great it's good old good warm time and uh yeah i highly recommend it shop around jack the what are you putting over Oh, sorry, Jake. It's <laughs> Cut <okay>. you off. <laughs> yeah. Well, you let him finish. God, I'm going to put over Jake's put over, let, letting Jake finish up his put over. Uh, I'm I'm going to put over uh, just a random album I've just been listening to a lot. Uh, I'm just going to put over uh, classic Signals, Calls, and Marches by Mission of Burma. It's amazing. Everyone who's listened to it knows it's amazing, but just listen to it again. It's better than you remember. It's a good put over. I like that one. Yeah, see, there you go. Only quality from this corner. Mm-hmm. Nothing but the good stuff. Um, I'm gonna put over. Well, I'm gonna put over two things. I'm gonna put over first. I'm gonna put over Adam Myros, who um does a wonderful job editing the show and is gonna have a lot of fun this time around as he deals with me singing loudly like Bonnie Tyler into my microphone, causing <laughs> it to peak and distort. Um, I'd also like to put over, and this is gonna sound really stupid, but just go with me on this. Uh, Vinegar Syndrome put out a beautiful version of The Beastmaster. And I'm sure you're thinking to yourself, uh, The Beastmaster was just mediocre when I was 12. And I, yeah, it was, okay? But 
not only does the movie look great, but in addition to that, this may be, I, I don't know, one of the best single film packages I have ever held in my hands. Uh, rivaled only by the the Dawn of the Dead set that uh, Second Sight put out uh, last month. But this is, I mean, it's gorgeous. It's this kind of like box that opens up and there's there's a hardcover like insert with multiple discs and then it's got the magnetic shut, okay? If you have a Blu-ray case with a magnetic closure on it, you're holding nothing but quality. So... Uh, Beastmaster on 4K and Blu-ray. It is a, a beautiful piece of work. I, I want to I want to kiss it. I want to impregnate the Blu-ray. And that's what I got, boys. So, if you're listening to this podcast right now, do us a big favor. Uh, there's a couple of links in the description. The first one will take you to our iTunes page. We need your help, dear listener. If you have not had a chance to already, because I believe you can only do it once or it only counts once, please go to our iTunes page, give us a five-star written review. It will take you approximately five seconds to accomplish this task, okay? All you do, click the button, five stars, write something, write anything you want. You can say, I too would like to put over Adam Myros. He's a beautiful angel. That's, look, I wrote it for you. There it is. And then when you do that, it tells iTunes to push us up in the rankings and, and give us a better placement with their psychotic algorithm. And then more people can hear our content and then uh, more listeners we have, the more things we can do for you. The other link that you will find in this description will take you to our Patreon page. And if you go to our Patreon page, uh, you can give us money if you want. And that would be great because podcasting is super, super expensive. And I understand it, it's a it's a pandemic. You don't have a lot of money. I get it. I get it. You don't have to give us money. But uh, I, I heard uh, DJT is sending you six hundred bucks, uh, if if I'm not mistaken. So why don't you give three of those to us if you want to? Or you could try and pay your rent or buy groceries. I guess if you want to, if you got to eat, that's the kind of person you are. Uh, but anyways, if if you subscribe to our Patreon, if you got a little extra cash to throw us, that will give you access to the private Optimism Vaccine Patreon feed. All kinds of articles there, um, a whole backlog of content, brand new content coming as well. Uh, so all kinds of exclusive things that you can only get as a Patreon subscriber. So highly recommend checking that out. And you, you can even give us more than $3. If you give us $5 or $20, you can be in the special club of people who get their name read out loud on the Optimism Vaccine podcast. You too could be a Dustin or a Paula. And Jack, every day of your life, don't you say, I want to be a Paula? Every day. Every day. That's right. So, uh, yeah, check it out. And uh, if you have any questions, comments, death threats, marriage proposals, optimismvaccine at gmail.com is the place to send those. Adam Myros is waiting, hit and refresh. It's all he ever does. Uh, you can also tweet at us at optimismvaccine. And with that, Jake, last word is yours. Show me that smile, girl. I love all the kids. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, we never explicitly called Kirk Cameron a child molester, right? Merry, merry Christmas. Don't change kids to us. Stay a little Jesus. Hold on to my It's not a long way 